Caleb and the Conservative Daily Podcast is back on the air. And now your hosts, Max McGuire and Joe Altman. Welcome back to the second hour of the Conservative Daily Podcast. What's up, Joe? Well, I just want you to know that Josh has promised me that he's going to change the music in the middle and change that he's going to do a, a... What are you doing now? I, I, you said you were going to do it. You what? you said that the front... I mean, I love the new thing that you did on the front, the intro. intro. Hey, I was running around... Okay. You just you get what you we want. We can change it. We can change <laughs> the top of music. <laughs> Which one, all right? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying yeah. my best here. You I'm pay the rent, you get what you want. I know that we're coming back from the <laughs> break. And now he's like, yeah, fix the commercial in the middle of the show, no, too. No, 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 like, hold you, on, man. You're Come redoing on. The, break, the break music. Uh-uh. Yeah, so we redid our intro. Yeah, we, we, we should redo it because right now we have three different styles. We have the regular one, the new one for the beginning. We have another style for the middle, and then we have another style for the outro. So, yeah, we can we can redo it, make it all one style. Uh, Josh, add it to your growing list. Add it to the list. I already, I already wrote it down. Of, I also have to things. walk Joe's dogs, and then i got to wash <laughs> his car this afternoon, which... Yeah. I don't like Jeeps. I mean, I mean they're great cars, but I would never own one. Anybody that owns yeah. a Jeep, well, some, you guys uh, have frankly, all seen my truck. Like, uh, <laughs> well, well, frankly, it's, it's got character. I, I, I actually yeah. hit my forehead every time I got in and out of it yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's, Here's the thing, yeah, though. Like that. I, it shouldn't take too long to wash Joe's Jeep because it never goes off road. Oh! Says the guy that lives in Texas. Says the guy that lives in Texas on some of the flattest Shot land fire. known to man. Oh, flatlander. Flat. Yeah. A flatlander. Flatlander over here. Doesn't have any <laughs> trees. Fine. He's telling me it doesn't go off road. Get out of here. I've, I've driven my Jeep to Moab. I know, I know how to do it. Friday. <laughs> talk about whatever we want. Apparently, we've gone into Yeah, talk about whatever we want. All right. Yeah, I got to watch this car, so we'll get there. All right. Well, well, best of luck with that. Um, we also got to mention again, excellent sponsor of the show, how to run for office as a Christian conservative. If you didn't check out the Wednesday episode, make sure you go back and watch that. It's, it's talking all about how to be a bold, committed Christian conservative, how you can run for office, how you can be a local support system to help other Christian conservatives run for office, whether you want to be a director or manager if you're a pastor or just a regular citizen, this course teaches you how to run for office and how to support the right people running for office. So make sure you go to www.runforoffice.training forward slash CD, Charlie Delta. And if you use special conservative daily discount code CD10, you'll get an additional 10% off the already super discounted, super affordable price. Now it's really important that we all take this country back. And this course is the only course out there that teaches you how to do it and does so from with a biblical world view so in service to our great country we all have to act together and work together to glorify god through government for such a time as this make sure you go to www.runforoffice.training forward slash cd and use promo code cd10 for 10 percent off and that's exactly um, what we need that's what we need that's how we take this 100%. country back is at the local level uh, we've seen um, Dan Schultz in the precinct project. He's actually inspired people to go and get into their their at the at the their politics at the local level. But we need biblical conservatives. We need people who have a strong backbone. Fighters, right? I think America is done with spineless people. We need fighters. That's what we need right now. So if yep. you stick to your values and if you believe in it, uh, that's that is exactly what we need right now. So so we were talking before we we took off before we took a break and um, about the FBI. And how they, you know, they, they like to say that they are a organization of integrity. Um, I, again, I want to talk about the fact that we are almost a week later, and I am yet to have any phone call with the FBI 
about the letter that was sent to my house with uh, sticky no or post-its together with tape around it with a powdered substance in it, which the detective did call me and say they think it's graphite, but not one phone call. Not one phone call, didn't ask me any questions. So this is the, this is the integrity of the FBI, right? Then we want to talk about other FBI agents. FBI agent manipulates the Flynn file as Clapper allegedly urged kill shot in a court filing. That was two years ago. Trey Gowdy slams probation sentence for former FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith for lying. This is the FBI. Yeah. This is what the FBI represents. This. Well, we were talking about this. Liars. We were talking about this in, in the lead up to the break. Go to my screen, Mr. Producer. They're, then they're listening this to is... me as I was saying that. And they're saying, oh, I'm not a liar. Then do something <laughs> about the people that are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not this, asking for a lot. We're asking you to do the right thing. We're asking you to, to, to literally stand up. But you're afraid to lose your job. You're afraid they'll push you out. You know, they and talk instead, about... instead, you got guys that get 10 years in the deal that go and rape a 10-year-old and become a trooper. And they're, crazy. they, they at, talk about institutionalists and people that want to protect the institution of the FBI. The FBI has become a laughingstock. It has become the butt of jokes and something that people no longer take seriously that we are just seeing as this leftist attack yeah. dog. And so if you're an institutionalist and you believe in and love the FBI, you need to protect it by getting rid of the dirtbags. So this is a, a story that we, we kind of hinted about in the, right before the break. I wanted to spend more time talking about it. How this went down is stunning. A woman, Marilyn Huber, might be mispronouncing her last name. She's an Alaska resident. She was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th for the protest, the rally. She yep. didn't go into the Capitol, but she was at the rally. Fly she was flying home on Alaska Airlines, Alaska Air, whichever it is. And she got into an argument with the stewardess over mask compliance. So she ended up at a later date being banned for not wanting to wear her mask. But she got into a, a heated argument with the stewardess. The stewardess looked at her and said, you know what? She has brown hair and she has a, a coat on that matched one of the wanted posters from the FBI a, a person of interest in the insurrection. So the stewardess turned her in to the FBI, angry that they got in an argument about the mask. The FBI used her testimony to get the, the search warrant. And the only thing they had connecting her with the suspect was that she was a brunette and she owned the same kind of jacket. And they raided her house looking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop. And her and her husband are like, what, what are you talking about? We, we don't have her laptop. You could just ask. We would have told you. They showed her the picture, said, yeah, it looks like me, but it's not me. So the FBI raided her home in Alaska on the advice of a disgruntled stewardess, a pro-mask disgruntled stewardess. Lawsuit. Who was, I, I guess, yeah. pissed off. And the only thing they brought for the judge to support the allegation that she was the same person was her hair color and the brand of jacket she was wearing. That's it. Stunning. Yeah, uh, they and raided just, her house. Just an aside, I want to let everybody know if you know anything about virus transmission and how that works. When you're on an airplane, if you take your mask off for five seconds, just like they allow you to do to drink water and to eat food and do things yeah. like that, yeah. it negates the entire rest of the time you have to have the mask on. So just all of that, it's just a game. This this requirement to have masks on when you're shoulder to shoulder with people while you social distance in the airport, it's 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 just a game. It doesn't it's not doing anything. 
and that you're that getting science. people that are barred. Yes, science, 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 scientism. You're having people barred from airplanes. You're having you know all kinds of stuff happen to families for something that does not matter at all. Well, did you see the one yesterday? They kicked off a girl. I want to see, I want to see if I can find the right one. Um, this the the kid. No, it was a boy. Sorry, I don't want to misgender the boy. Um, go ahead, go to my screen. Southwest kicked off this boy. The mom. No, I don't want to receive nine news your updates get out of here um the mom said that she told the airline that her son had a sensory processing disorder and doesn't like things touching his face so she said listen he might take off his mask during the flight but don't worry we'll put it right back on they kicked him off the plane not because he took his mask off but because she had given them a note saying he might take it off and i promise i'll put it right back on wow he was kicked off the flight without even violating the order they took his his disability and presumed that the disability would violate the mask order. So I, I hope that this woman sues the snot out of Southwest because they can't claim that he didn't viol that he violated their mask order. They're claiming that his disability would have made it impossible. And apparently, the captain asked for him to be removed from the plane. That's ridiculous. That is a little kid. The worst one we've seen yet. The worst one we've seen yet. Because he didn't even take his mask off. Did they kid down the parents went on their flight? No, yeah. <laughs> well, and I heard on the announcement uh, when I was flying out here that uh, anybody over the age of two has to wear a mask now, right? Yeah. And that's, you look yeah. at all these pieces of evidence, right? So asymptomatic spread was proven to be a hoax last year. We've known since the beginning that kids are very much not affected by this, right? They're, they're not harmed and they can't spread it. So can somebody please explain to me why the kids are required to wear masks and why St. Fauci is now saying that they want to vaccinate all school children for a virus that doesn't harm them and they don't spread. Can well, do you see the other thing? Look, look at in the, the schools. Look at the MMR. You see in the schools where, you see in the schools where they're giving them rewards when they, I saw one post yesterday where they were doing a, like a canned food drive and whichever class got the most canned food would get more time during their mask break. So they had three homerooms and they're all trying to raise, like collect food to donate to a food pantry. And the homeroom that had the most donated food would get a 30 minute mask break. The one that had the second would have a 25 minute and the one that came in third would have a 20 minute mask break. They are literally incentivizing students by rewarding them with oxygen. I mean, th this is th this is unheard of. I mean, oxygen is not a bonus. <laughs> like oxygen is not like a reward. It is an essential part of living. The cure is worse than the disease. We heard that yeah. a lot pretty recently, right? So we have Alexander on the line. He wants to talk a little bit. It's kind of a nice segue. He wants to talk about what millennials can do to have more of an impact on the corruption that we see in our education system. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? Good, hey. good. Thanks hey, for calling in. I got a couple questions regarding education system. Um, well, let's be let's look at millennials first, okay? Most people from my generation are almost completely devoid of logic and don't even want to ask questions. How do you get people to start asking questions? Uh, they have well, to be concerned, man. That's, that's they, they have to want an answer. And you know what? The Socratic method, yeah, the Socratic yeah. method has lost a lot of it, but it's an extremely powerful tool if you know how to use it. And that can get people in this question and answer format, and you can start leading them in the right direction to asking questions and really trying to work that, that headspace as to why something is happening or why something is not happening. Like, if you know if you have your mask off for a second, you're going to spread any, any virus that you may have, why are they allowing you to take it off for certain periods but then forcing you to wear it at other times? 
just pointing out things that are obvious logical fallacies and prodding people to think about it on their own. That's an important one. But I tell you, like millennials, the generation after millennials has started to become extremely conservative because they see how insane the generation above them has become. And so that's giving us a lot of hope that we may have, you know, one generation that's got a lot, a lot of issues going on right now, but the younger ones can see that and see how ridiculous they're being and they're starting to push back. Yeah, I mean, you have to start by being the one to ask the questions. You got to start by being the one to actually speak up. You have to be the voice. You have to be the effectual voice that's out there. Courage is more infectious than fear. And if you see it, you have to speak it. And the problem with the left is they've gotten away with it because no one has spoke truth. No one has actually challenged their BS. So you have to be the one to challenge the BS. And frankly, you have to be willing to fight for it. You got to be willing to sacrifice. This is our... This is our uh, beaches in Normandy yep. right now we're there yep and it, it, so, it is courage is contagious right you can see with with the governors right DeSantis started a lot of this stuff and now governors around the country are starting to, to ban critical race theory they're starting to make anti-mask mandates they're starting to do all this stuff because DeSantis had the courage to stand up and do it and now other people are falling in line and that fil- f- filters all the way down to the micro right that happens with people once they see somebody have the bravery to stand up and, and stand up for what they believe in other people will follow you just have to be that person that has the courage to do it. Okay, so heading off into the question part, I have a really important question relating to fraud. Now, we're all aware that it happened. There were statistical improbabilities that were popping up left and right, 141,000 votes uploaded in a five-second window, as well as Dominion and Cooler uh, not being prosecuted. Why do you think that is? Because the system's rigged. I mean, the, the you know, they have it, it. It just is the people they have spent a very long time preparing for this. Right. And you could see uh, the Voter Integrity Project and all these different uh, articles and pieces that were coming out prior to the election that they were basically telling us what they were going to do and explaining away any questions that somebody may have had. They were prepping the battlefield for a very long time. And they took they you know, you really have to kind of admire uh, the the full spectrum uh, way that they approach this, right? Where they, you've got corrupted governors, right? Not only corrupted governors, but people like Ducey and Kemp, who are Republicans, right? So now MSNBC can say, it's a bipartisan a- attack against this ridiculous yeah. voter fraud yeah. people. And so they, they got people in place that they can control. They did every level down to the Republican Board of Electors in Maricopa that has been ignoring subpoenas, that has been refusing to do things they're legally bound to and do. these are Republicans. And they're Republicans. These are Republicans. They're yeah. By name only. Yeah. Th- these are left Republicans. These are people that literally have infiltrated the Republican Party. And, and look, they can. The, the left can do that to us. Yep. Why? Because they, they're evil. They think that way. How do I become deceptive? Yeah. Right? And then they just infiltrate it and smile and nod while they're, they're, they're basically building an entire way that they can stop conservatives, stop our country from being where, what it should be. And it's right. been going on for a very long time. Yeah. And they utilize behavioral economics, right? So that's one of the, the, the key parts of the, the main heuristic of behavioral economics is the availability theory, availability heuristic. If you hear the same thing repeated over and over and over, your brain starts to automatically believe that, well, it must be true or there must be more weight to it. And so they use social media. They use the media. They use all their talking points where people are parroting the same exact thing. You see it on Facebook. You see it on the news. You see it in the New York Times. You see it on, on MSNBC. They're parroting the same thing, no matter how false it is, because they understand that the more people hear it, the more they're going to believe it, even if there's zero evidence or there's even counterfactual evidence against it. And they are, they are, it's deception at its worst form, 
and they use it all to try to change the narrative or try to ridicule or, or, or get any of this uh, nasty truth that goes against what they're trying to say out of there. All right, so, so let me – go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I would like to stray on over to education for a bit. I don't know if you all saw the story uh, coming out of Montgomery County, Maryland, during which the assistant teachers uh, that usually help kids with their IP, they have been fired and are no longer allowed to be employed there, um, with the logic being that they were somehow being oppressive to other students that didn't have those privileges. IP? What, what do you mean by intellectual property? IEP, not IP. Oh, like the gifted talent so, programs? Yes. Or, or is that like, so is that gifted and talented or is that they, they need a little extra time on tests? Uh, like it can be anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure it can range okay. from multitude of different uh, cases that can arise. But the assistant teachers that would be in the room helping those kids, uh, they're no longer allowed to be employed in Montgomery County. And I thought it was pretty horrific. I want well, to hear it's, it's happening across the country. And this is one of those things. There are a lot of things that you see right now, right? So the Biden administration prides themselves on having the smartest people in the room, right? All these people that are academics and intellectuals and have never actually done anything in their life, but have been, you know, working for government their entire life and PhDs and they consider themselves very brilliant. And they are doing the exact wrong thing over and over and over, right? With in terms of the border, in terms of manufacturing, in terms of the job, in terms of everything, they keep doing the wrong thing. And this is another one that this, it, you would have to be an idiot to not realize that getting rid of all of our gifted and talented programs is going to lead us to a regression to the mean, right? It's going to bring everybody down. And the mean is going to come down dramatically. The mean is going to come down. And we know this. There is science. Science that has proven this so for this decades, right? This is even worse, actually. An IEP, I'm looking it up, it's an individualized education program. So these are parents that, that realize that their kid needs extra help. Um, that Maybe he needs to take a test in a separate room. Maybe he needs something explained to him a couple times. Maybe he needs extra time on a test. So they'll actually spend a ton of money on doctors. And in some school districts, they need lawyers to get what's called a 504 plan, which basically says my son needs a little bit, needs some kind of accommodation. So it sounds like what you're saying is in is in Maryland, they let the teachers or the teaching assistants go because they didn't like that they were conforming to the IEP. So like a, a kid who needs extra time on tests, they were mad that that was like not fair to the kids who didn't have extra time on tests. That's that's very illegal under under state and federal law. Like getting an IEP, getting a 504 plan, you have a recognized learning disability. And you have and you have a plan to help you. I mean, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act would, would they should be all over it with that. But it's with, the with violating we, a legitimate disability. It's the same as we saw with the election fraud. Right. Good luck finding a lawyer to represent you in yep. front of a judge that will actually follow the law right now. Right. Because they're, they're not following. The law. They're, act, they're, not. they're activists. Yeah, that's no. exact. And this, this is a question I keep asking over and over. Right. Wasn't. Uh, President Trump and Mitch McConnell, one of their biggest things they talked about over and over and over was all these constitutional judges that they put on the bench. Where did they go? I, no. Where are they? Again, they can infiltrate the, They can infiltrate yeah. reality. They can infiltrate our system. Amy Coleman Barrett got a yeah. $2 million book deal after refusing to take on some of the most consequential cases in our nation's history with voter fraud. Yeah, I think the book deal now has become a signifier of corruption, right? It's just, it's money laundering oh, yeah. out in plain that people are seeing. Hunter Biden gets one, uh, Andy McCabe, McCabe gets one. All of the, the dirt bags get these book deals. And the fact that Amy Comey Barrett got one before she had done anything and after she punted on all of these consequential cases, 
That's a bad sign. Yeah. So, uh, Alexander, how old are you? I'm 19. And are you going to school? What's your, what are you currently doing? Uh, I plan on going to the USA Look Academy. Awesome. And so, congratulations. That's going to be that's amazing. Um, you know, I'll thank you in advance for the service you're about to 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 uh, um, commit. So, how do you see it? I mean, you have friends, right? What are your friends saying? Do your friends have the same um, ideologies? Are they seeing the same the things the same way, or are you in a echo chamber trying to just convince them that reality is? I didn't meet a conservative until I was seventeen. Most people don't even want to ask questions around here. They look at the adopted narrative, and they adopt it, and then mold it as part of their mindset. I mean, yeah, I was talking to someone the other day, and he was trying to profoundly argue his point, and then I simply just asked him, why, over and over again. And he said, oh, yeah, no, like, tell me. You know, like, yeah, the news. Like, they're, like this is the best way to go about it. No one is really there to give a second side of the argument. The media is completely bought out. People don't want to ask questions, and they're using a multitude of... I'd say demoralization factors in order to promulgate narratives. Well, that's that's probably the tr- truest statement that I've heard thus far. <laughs> yeah, that wraps and it up the, right nicely. What, what you're saying is that there's an echo chamber. You're saying that they can't, you know, there is no second opinion because they've done everything to squish it. They, they literally are censoring yep. and silencing anyone that disagrees with them. And trying to take away any courage you may have to stand up by doing everything to destroy the credibility of anybody that does have the courage to stand up. 100%. 100%. It's diabolical. It really is. I, I strongly believe that communists started infiltrating the media back in the 70s. Right? The media was a large part of why America pulled back from the Vietnam War and stopped giving the resources. And we were doing much better than the narrative makes you believe when that started happening. And I believe it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to stand up. You are the generation that's going to have to stand up. We're going to continue to stand up. We're going to continue to do the things that we need to do on our side. But it's going to take an army of young people like you that are waking up and recognizing that what they're saying is, is a lie. The narrative is a lie. They are liars. Right? And that's what it's going to take. Yeah. So hats off to you. No, this is 100% true. Uh, simply more people can follow. Well, right. thank you so much for the All call, right, well, Alexander. Really, really do appreciate it. I'm really oh, grateful for oh, uh, 1AP oh. and what you guys have done protecting the Britain's Second Amendment. Oh, well, well, thank you. We really oh. do appreciate it. And have, have a great weekend and best of luck at the Naval Academy. You're, you're Go Army, great. beat Navy. <laughs> 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 I had to get that in there at the last minute. <laughs> so I want to uh, – I, 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 I have another story that came out that um, you've probably heard about, Max, and that is the BLM militants that drew their AR-15s yeah. and AR or AK-47s. On the Portland motorist, I, I don't know. Did yeah. you hear about this? Yeah, Josh, yeah, go ahead and throw, th- throw this story up. I just sent it to you. I sent it to you right before the other story. You can put just put up my screen. I, I can scroll down. Put up my screen. I have it. I have it ready to go. Uh, this is from Gateway Pundit. This is BLM militants draw AR-15s and AK-47s on Portland motorists. No police on scene as reign of terror continues. I love their headlines. I, um, but yeah, no, this is uh, this is domestic terrorism. So I just want you to know that if I was in my car, I'm going to 100% tell you that this is how it would happen. If I'm in my car and you draw a gun down on me and multiple people draw a gun down on me, they're they're all (laughs) – things are going to clack off. Ski-ball. Oh, go play ski-ball. 100%. (laughs) So so I know that there are a couple of people in Portland right now. They shot? A couple of groups. What? 
Did someone yeah, they shoot? Blew, they blew out the back of the window. Yeah. Flattened all their tires. I didn't know that they that they actually opened fire. Or did they just bash it out? They just bashed it out. Right? Oh, okay. So I, I want you to know that there is two groups in Portland. And you probably know one of the groups I'm talking about. That now are building caravans to go through Portland, fully armed, against these terrorist BLM guys. Yeah. And that the second that they draw their gun, they are training right now. And, and I'm not telling you anything that the, that the clowns and the FBI don't already know. That they are going to put them down. Oh, they, so you know what they're claiming? What? They're claiming that he tried to drive through. They always do this, this crap. They're marching in the street without a permit, without a legal right to march in the middle of the street. And he's driving. He has right away driving through the street. And they're claiming he tried to run them over. If you do not have the right of way, you can't like like this is what he's doing. He's trying to just go on his way. And the narrative that they're pushing is that he tried to run people over. Look at this. This is this is he's not trying to run anyone over. He's driving on the street. They're the ones jumping in front of him. Well, and the problem is the media will take this video and they'll cut it up he to make stop. it look the absolute worst they can for him. And they'll just promote yeah, a completely different narrative. Going. Well, then they pull him out. They take his gun away. That's assault. That's brandishing a firearm. That's assault. For what? Because he was driving down the road. I would have no. Put the they guy they down. think they're untouchable. Yeah. The second the second they did it, I would have put him down. Portland, Seattle, so, they I mean, become so emboldened because of all the people that were left and, off, let out of jail immediately. The people that they've dropped prosecution on so many of these Antifa and BLM. They it's are emboldened, and that's what it, it's going to take. Groups like this. Well, I'm telling so, you, now, it's it's happening right unlawful now. Unlawful detention, unlawful detention, right? Kidnapping, depending on the jurisdiction, by re restricting his movement. I mean, th these are felony after felony after felony. And where is the DOJ Civil Rights Division with this? When you have when you have a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters throwing a white guy to the ground and holding him at gunpoint because he wanted to drive down the road. Where's the um? Where, where, where's the civil rights division? No, the civil rights division is more. We can take this down now. The civil rights division is more worried about what's going on in Maricopa County. Well, and for those Apparently, of you that, that are, are watching here. this on on Apple Podcasts, um, we should probably tell you that you can go watch the video, or you can just go to Gateway Pun, and it'll it'll give you the video on the on how they assaulted this guy. But I, I think that it's. We're, we're seeing what Biden's doing at the, at the border. We're seeing what's happening literally all over the country. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And now you have groups that are saying, all right, I'm willing to sacrifice. Yep. We're all going to go out there. We're going to build a caravan. We're going to have all these things. When they go in the streets, we're going to be there. Right. And, and we're going to make sure that if you try to assault us, we're going to put all of you down. And that's what it's going to take. Now, and, and that's what they're saying. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not telling you that I'm out there doing it. I, I'm not it. I'm not there. But I will tell you that I was out to dinner. I was just out to dinner, just having a good time. Someone popped off and said something to me and said, I'm going to go get my gun. And I was like, all right, I'll wait here. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he was hoping I'd do is I'd pull my gun. Right. But it was a bit, little anti-fight. They said, ah, we know who you are. Right. We're watching you. Well, watch me. Go get your gun. Well, well be, yeah. be careful because Biden's DOJ is now going after people for what they're calling a call to arms.
I'm not calling. So now we have to be. Where's I know, I know, I know. I'm I was saying, telling you what it was told to, to me. I know, but I, like they're going after people who are even insinuating violence. It's, how about the fact that that is a call to arms? Yeah. Look what they were doing in the street. Yeah. The thing they're that I've been, terrorizing people. I've been trying to tell people for a long time. They only like to go after soft targets, right? They go after people that they think are just going to cower down and give them a win and let them do whatever they want to do. Do not make yourself a soft target. Right. Make yourself a hard target. If you're going to one of these areas that you know that's been overrun, have groups of people. Don't go places right. on your, alone on your own. Be prepared for stuff like that. Do not allow yourself to be a soft target. They're yeah. weak. They really are weak. The only thing they have are numbers and a bunch of lunatics. But they don't have numbers. We just areas. have more to lose than right. they do. Yeah, and that's so the sacrifice has to be made. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that right. is, I'm telling you, they will wilt like a flower when people start standing up in defiance. I yeah. tell people, you come, you so, come down my driveway. You come down my driveway. You have a quarter mile long to make a decision <laughs> on what's going to happen to your life. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to put up thermal yeah. cameras because of these leftist lunatics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we do have another caller. We have Dustin. On the line, he wants to talk about what happens if they actually do get away with shutting down the recount. Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, actually, uh, the one thing that I was thinking is if the Department of Justice did attempt to shut down this audit, let's say they show up to the arena and they have a piece of paper and it says, you need to stop this right now. Uh, there was a threat from the sheriff that said you would enjoy an Arizona jail cell. Yeah. Uh, what is stopping us or um, uh, preventing us from getting a group ready so that as soon as we hear there's there's boots on the ground from the Department of Justice and they're trying to shut this down, this is a state election, uh, can we just gather enough people, kind of block the building off and summon the sheriff to kind of give us some are, sort are of you, Are uh, you in Maricopa? Group, I guess strength. Uh, yes, sir. Our group, First Amendment okay. Praetorian, is, is already offering to do that. We have a, a, a large group of military law enforcement and intel community vets, and we've, we've offered our assistance to the Maricopa audit because that's what we see. As they get closer to exposing the fraud that happened, the, the attacks are going to get worse. They're yeah. going to get worse, and they're going to try to overwhelm them very quickly. So we want to be able to put boots on the ground there before it gets to that point. And that's exactly what we need. We need enough people to where they know they can't get away with something and keep it under uh, undercover. We know that it's, they, they have to know that anything that they try to do that is illicit is going to be recorded from every angle and broadcast for the world to see. And there have to be enough people there that refuse to stand down and allow something like that to happen. Now, they should have a Republican governor in that state who is pushing back and saying that the federal government has no place in our state elections. But they have Duck Ducey, and he's not doing that. So unfortunately, <laughs> we need Americans who believe in this republic, who are willing to stand up and are not going to let it get to that point. Yeah, I think that uh, anything we could do to kind of get that message out and let people know that if you're listening and you're anywhere near Maricopa in Arizona, if you hear that, you know, they're they're moving the, the blacked out Yukons over there and they're they're ready to shut it down. I think that we just send out what would initially be a, uh, a fax blast, but to, to patriots and, and everybody just shows up and we kind of put a stop to this while we can, because if we continue to let them walk over us and continue to do uh, all of these loony things with our, our country, our states, everything. Um, there's going to be a point where we can't turn back. We can't. I mean, we're going to be a victim of, of everything that they're putting out to us. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there's I something. Mean, you're right. 
we need to be very careful of if, 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 if there are Patriots out in Arizona that are planning on doing that, make sure you coordinate with the Arizona Rangers and the actual audit committee. Yeah. So one of the things that we saw on January 6th, Asian provocateurs, they used those methods and it worked very well for them and they were able to cause the reaction that they wanted and get what they wanted, which means they're going yes. to be doing it again. And groups like this is the prime place for them to infiltrate, get agent provocateurs in there and try to do something and, and coerce a reaction or even have them do, do something and try to blame it on other people, right? We, a lot of us have seen the January 6th uh, videos of Black Block Antifa changing into MAGA gear so they could go to the yes, Capitol yes. and do what they did. So you need just, it's work. The left is not creative. They're not very intelligent. They do the same thing over and over and over, it works. It worked on January 6th, they will try it again. So if you are going to do that or have another group that do it, we're trying to coordinate with the Arizona Rangers and all the other people on the audit team right now. Make sure you don't do it on your own, you coordinate with the team in charge of that audit because we don't want to we don't want to harm it, we want to help it. So make sure you're coordinating with people there so they know you're coming and you guys can communicate about what you're gonna do. Exactly, I felt like we had a lot of momentum and it was all building towards January 6th and they were able to get that few amount of people in there to the front of the line with you know just all the right moves is what they played and and it, it ended up stopping you know what i thought was going to be a great moment in our history where we would kind of stop the fraud right away uh and now now they're willing to say that it's not even possible to have fraud in the safest elections but if you look on uh, one american news they recently reposted the cnn talking about how voter fraud was such a huge thing and this is what I use when I talk to leftists is they, they only trust one narrative and that's the mainstream CNN narrative. Well, when I show them this documentary that CNN did where Dominion gets hacked, doesn't even have a response, every in, uh, electronic system that they used had got compromised by the end of their little uh, conference. And the end of the CNN uh, piece, it says, you know, we're in danger. It's going to be a guaranteed hacked election. My question for the people who tell me that there is no fraud is what happened between then and now? Yeah. What happened? What they there they, is nothing that happened. Kill Chain. They just let yeah. it run rampant. Watch Kill Chain. It's got yeah. Amy Klobuchar and uh, some other very prominent leftist politicians out there talking about how, how dangerous a situation it is to have our elections as unsecured as they are. Now they're crickets. Right, because they got what they wanted. Their side pulled a fast one, and now that's we got to pretend like that doesn't exist. Every major leftist outlet has done some kind of expose on voter fraud and on insecure elections, and now they're pretending like they never did that. And the story is our elections are the most secure anywhere in the world as they've ever been in history. Ever, which is which is not ever. which is not true. Not at all. Yeah. It's not true at all. And they use the words like the gold standard and other things yeah. to actually push their point by using these kind of buzzwords that make people say, oh, see, use this, use the the gold standard. And then we mule in rhinos and people like Liz Cheney, who's total trash. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And Romney and these other people that are, that are, that say that they're conservatives. They're not conservatives. Yeah. They're trash. They're compromised. They're compromised by the CCP. They're compromised by outside influences. And, and then we was like, Hey, look, there's these Republicans over here. No, they're not. Yeah. Not at all. No, they're not. Uh, Republicans in name only. That that reminds me of one one last point, and then I'll let you guys get back to more callers. Is uh, that in the state of California, there was a candidate that seemed like he was really, really going to be what we needed. Uh, set everything right, kind of put out enough of the pieces that seemed well. Um, Major Williams is his name. They actually did a deep dive into his finances, and they found out that he is just 
sucking money from lobbyists. He's spending things at the Ritz-Carlton. He's getting, you know, expensive rides, and he preaches that he's a family man. He's in the direct messages of females just sending them inappropriate, you know, even if it's just a hard-eyes emoji. And you have a wife. I think that that's a line that you need to understand you cannot cross. What's his name? And Andrew so what Gillum. they do is they... Andrew Gilman, Florida, right? He was endorsed by Obama. He was the family man, the picture-perfect grade. He was going to run against DeSantis. And then he got found, uh, OD'd, passed out in his own puke on a hotel uh, bathroom in Florida with a gay male escort, right? And this was the family exactly. man who was endorsed by Obama. There are a lot of people that... They're, they're able to put that narrative Yeah. where it seems like, hey, we're putting up this candidate. Everybody's itching. We're all itching for that governor that can, you know, kind of liberate California. And what they do is they're able to slip in those those picture-perfect candidates that, you know, uh, Major Williams happened to be uh, a black man, and Caitlyn Jenner is another one that they're pushing hard, and she's a trans activist. It's just they're, they're, there's something that is in a Republican where you see, oh, we need some diversity. No. But then they're throwing out their candidates. They're it's throwing out the right their – it's not, it's not a Republican. No. I mean – Bruce Jenner is not a Republican. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Right? He, him, he, her, whatever you want to call him. Mr. Bruce. Wheaties. Mr. Wheaties yeah. himself. I don't, I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're a transsexual. I don't care. What you do in your own time is up to you. Why is it a big deal? Why are we going through this deal concentrating the half of a half of a half of a half of one percent of people out there in our population? Why? Why is that becoming yep. the ethical and moral standard of our society? And that's the issue is that conservatives are fighting on the left's battleground, right? It's yep. the left who has chosen this and to try to brand us as racist and misogynistic and everything else. And so we're fighting on their battlefield every time we make those choices and we decide we're just going to show them, no, we're not. We're going to vote for a woman, even if it's Nikki Haley or someone that's really a rhino. Or we're going to vote. For, we're just all these different things. We're fighting on their battlefield. And conservatives need to learn that we need to pick the battle space. We need to find the places that we go. And we need to go with Christian, biblical, faith-based conservatives. I love the fact that we're seeing so many veterans stand up and run for office. Joe Kent, if anybody listening is in Washington 3, Joe Kent is the man, former Green Beret Ranger. Um, there are a lot of great people that are stepping up, and that's what we need. We need to choose the battle space, not fight on their own. <clears> yeah, I mean, yeah. we even have some Democrats. And I mean, like like Tig, you know, John Tig Tigan. <laughs> I mean, we have some really big Correct. Democrats. I mean, they're, they're – sorry, I was sad to add that. <laughs> No, you're not. Um, you're good. The, the one thing that I was thinking as well is that uh, I, we have to, even if you're being, like we said, we need to choose the battle on our own terms. If you're being engaged in a conversation that you understand is going nowhere, the quickest thing to do is, is disarm them and let them know that that's just completely not true. That's yeah. the narrative that they're pushing. And then you can move the conversation into uh, a battleground that is essentially um, more stable footing. So the one that I would yeah. like to say is I am a, uh, a young white male who is straight. I am essentially the enemy of everything that is Democrat right now. And the, a lot of the time what they'll like to say is that you're racist. You're just, by supporting, by being alive, you're racist. And I, I shut people down immediately. And a lot of the time the people around me are, are saying the token phrase of, I'm not a racist, I have ethnic friends. I have to let people know that we can't, we can't open with that. You're, you're falling right into their trap. We have to disengage, let them know that, hey, you're pushing a narrative, and I understand that I'm, I'm able to see through what you're telling me. And then you can step back and say, hey, I uh, would love to have a conversation with you that is beneficial for both of us, but we need to be understanding that 
uh, I don't discredit you for anything you're doing. You don't discredit me. We need to have that yeah. common ground where we're able to have like a, just a, a quality conversation, get through to points. Everybody, you know, can, can um, American dialogue is essentially what we need. Yeah, and that's what's going away. Well, yep. Yeah. Well, Dustin, thank thank you so much for the call. Really do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Um, thank you so much for the call. So he said something, and Robert, you said something. The battlefield of your choosing. You got to choose the battlefield. Well, unfortunately, it's great if you can, but unfortunately. We all can't always choose the battlefield. We all can't always choose where disaster will strike. And that is why we are so proud to be sponsored by and partnering with Air Med Care Network, an organization that provides for $85 a year, as low as $85 a year coverage. So that if disaster strikes in the middle of nowhere, you can be covered for the cost of an air medical transport. It seems like something really niche, niche but it, it's so affordable for what it is. And air medical transports are so expensive. It's a no-brainer if you like to hike, if you go off-roading. Um, Joe obviously doesn't go off-roading, but if other people go <laughs> off-roading, um, it's, it's, it's common sense. It's common sense coverage to get. So as a member, if an emergency arises, you won't see a bill for air medical transport when you're flown by an AMCN provider. Best of all, a membership covers your entire household. So it's not just you, it's your household for as little as $85 a year. AMCN providers are called upon to transport more than 100,000 patients a year. This really is coverage that you shouldn't go without if you live in the middle of nowhere or you like to ha spend time outdoors. Now, as a listener of our show, they have a very special offer. If you sign up and use the promo code daily, you will get up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card, depending on what plan you pick, up to $50 back. So make sure you visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and then use offer code daily for that special offer. So even with my four rambunctious kids who uh, like mm -hmm. to get out and about and hurt themselves quite a bit, mm -hmm. I can cover my whole household for 85 bucks. Yeah, a year. Uh, That's yeah. pretty sweet. A yeah. year. My kids. I mean, and, and literally, if you get in a car accident, they have to air med you out. Yeah. You're talking 20, 25 grand. So, oh, gee, easy. Easy. Yeah. So, and yeah. and here, here's the thing about medical insurance, which we just found out because one of the guys that works with us severed his arm and lacerated his liver is that those insurance policies typically don't cover that that type of emergency at a network oh yeah especially oh, at yeah. a yeah. network yeah if you're in another area of the country and you have a state-based insurance don't expect them to cover your ambulance cost if you're at a network right so it's ambulances alone are expensive it's common sense if you're doing anything where you could even remotely remotely need air med transport definitely check out our sponsor today and use the promo code for that money back. Um, so we're trying to get a state representative from Colorado on. She has been having a little difficulty. She she had votes that went a little late. Um, so we're trying to get her on. It's Rep Representative Tanya Von Bieber. Hey, Max, so we're I hoping she to get her on. arrived here for you guys. Oh, is she so on? She, yeah, she should be on. So we'll go to her right now, I think, for set. Okay. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's welcome on. Rep Bieber. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. So what did you just vote on? Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just listening to your conversation, it, uh, you're, you're speaking about all of the things that uh, we face daily, whether it's uh, the advancement of green energy or government uh, overreach and all of the things that <laughs> go into what we're seeing. Um, 
seemingly every single day as we're legislators, making sure that we represent for our citizens who do not want a tyranny of government intervention in their lives. And so those are the kind of things we're dealing with, gun bills, uh, indoctrination, uh, bills that would uh, let kids and, and parents and teachers uh, know what they should or shouldn't be thinking and, and different things like that. So, um, yeah, lots to vote against. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, do you yeah. feel like the fight? Do you feel like the fight just never ends? I mean, just constant, it's a constant battle. You're you're constantly fighting stupidity. It feels like, and, and I see all the bills that are coming down. And I'm thinking to myself, you have to be going. What lobbyist wrote this one? What lobbyist wrote this one? You know, that's an, that's absolutely correct. Um, there's there's lots of words to describe this. You'd, you'd hope you'd like to think it's ignorance, um, but but when we know better, when someone has the responsibility uh, that the evidence is there and the knowledge is is there for us to be able to make educated decisions, it does start to real, go into the realm of is this a stupid thing? Because it clearly flies in the face of the fundamental processes and, and structure of what is appropriate for government to do and not do. So yes, it, it is a never ending battle. So, so then, I mean, I'll just, I mean, I'll, I'll pose the question to you. How do you look in your fellow representatives' eye? How do you look them in the eye? And how, how do, you, do you, do you say to them, are you guys just stupid? I mean, really, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I could not do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it'd be hard. You're supposed to have no. decorum, but it could be difficult. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, no. And, and, you know, the, the bottom line is this. Um, how often did we ever really change anybody's mind by beating them overhead with a crowbar? Almost never, right? Virtually never. Um, so the reality becomes having a one-on-one -on -one conversation or two conversation where you are starting to ask the deeper questions, where you're starting to be intellectually on it, where you are intellectually honest or you ask other people to be intellectually honest and you question their paradigm and you talk about why do you believe the way you believe. And believe it or not, once in a great while, you see the needle move 1% here or there to one direction or the other. Uh, when you do talk to folks and you do give them the respect uh, that they deserve as human beings. That being said, it doesn't mean that we as conservatives, we as Republicans ever should be moving the, the line on what our principles are, what we believe is the proper purpose of government. And so um, it's a great question. And, and uh, you really do need to have your composure. You need to recognize that uh, you're individuals who there, but for the grace of God go they, regardless of what kinds of decisions they're making. And so uh, I'd like to think they know not what they do. Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to just say that at some point and, and I truly believe this at some point, there has to be a reckoning that happens where the building's on fire. And I believe in decorum. I believe in having good dialogue and conversations. But the left has cut out dialogue and conversations. They have turned this into a we're going to make fun of you. We're going to ridicule you. We're going to bully you. We're going to terrorize you. And when we're done doing that, we're going to terrorize your family. We're going to make sure that we build these false uh, environments, false, uh, uh, you know, propaganda against you and who you are. At what point do we say, all right, you know what? And, and this is a serious question because I find myself on that edge. And that is I abandoned the decorum and I basically just call them what they are. When does that, uh, you when, know when what? do you think, or do you think we're heading there? That's a great question. And I would say you do it immediately. You don't wait. The very first step belongs with truth and honesty. It's the only way to have a conversation with integrity. And if that means calling out what is, is what it is. 
then that is perfectly acceptable. Uh, when you start name calling, you start doing those kinds of things and decorum of the, the location where you're at and the, the chamber that you serve in is compromised. There's something to be said for not allowing that to happen. Does that mean that we as legislators are off the hook for uh, not being able to say what needs to be said? Absolutely not. I'll be one of the first people to go to the well and let them know I don't agree and here's why. And whether you like those words or not, they're going to be said. And I would say this, it's going to not only be done on the first step, the second step, the third step, it needs to be done on the thousandth step. We need people with determination and, and a visceral bone deep readiness to stand tall and warrior as long as they humanly can to fight for the conservative issues and, and the founding principles that this nation was set upon. Those are divinely inspired principles that have caused us to be a flourished nation for the historical time that we've been a constitutional republic. And I say, if we can't do exactly what you're saying, if we don't go and we use that integrity and we use those honest words, those blunt and point blank, everyday, easy to listen to words, call it what it is, call it plainly, but we do it and we do it often and we do it always. Because if we stop, we are the light of the world. Our nation, there is nowhere else to go. Uh, you see those memes out there discussing that kind of precept, but it means something. There's a nugget of truth in that, uh, a real truth in that. If we fall, the rest of the world falls. We were the original revolution that caused the rest of the world to sit up and pay attention and go, no more tyranny, no more oligarchy. We have to leave that kind of thinking so that we can maximize in human potential. And i that's what I'm committed to as long as I'm here. So, Tanya, talk to us about House Bill 1191, um, your Absolutely. bill. You're one of the prime sponsors. Just for anyone who doesn't know it by number, um, it would basically prohibit companies from discriminating against employees on the basis of their COVID-19 vaccine status. Talk to us about the bill and explain why you think this is really important. Thank you, Max. Honestly, it's actually a little bit bigger than that. This bill goes to pretty much all public accommodation. It's not just business. It's state, it's it's business, it's public, what you would concede would be public accommodation. And at the end of the day, uh, we look at this, we look at this fundamental question of what many states are facing. Don't make a vaccine passport. That's what our constituents want. That's what people want who are fair-minded and understand the constitution. They don't want to have the constitution violated where they have to show their vaccination status, their papers, if you will. And so this bill goes above and beyond that to state, as far as public accommodations are concerned, you cannot violate our rights. And what goes into that, and especially here in the state of Colorado and many states as well, the governments are saying, well, we are not going to make a vaccine passport. The federal government is saying, we are not going to make a vaccine passport. But you know what they've done? They've done a very fine job of ensuring that public accommodation or anybody who has authority thereof or businesses are going to be their long arm of the wall. That's what they've done. They've created conditions, regulations, rules, and mandates which commingle how a business is going to actually retain their licensure in order to operate. Yeah. When that's been done, that those conditions have now been created that a business is either wittingly or unwittingly openly discriminating against their employees about an emergency authorized use gene therapy. And that is against federal law plain and simple. Now, it's a gray area for some when it comes to that legal question. I don't think it's gray at all. The bottom line is we you're not allowed, the state is not allowed 
to author to to uh, mandate an emergency authorized use vaccine, and when you commingle that with who has to show their vaccine and who doesn't in any kind of public accommodation, we have now stepped it up to say that Fourth Amendment has been violated, among other things. Even OSHA this week came out and said. If a business requires an employee to have a vaccine, a COVID vaccine, as part of their employment status, that that any adverse effects from that will now have to be reported as a workplace uh, injury, if you will, or have to be reported uh, as part of that process with uh, the workplace. So uh, you look at all of the different kinds of things that are in play right now, and all of it represents medical tyranny and a clear violation of not mandating an emergency use vaccine. So are, are there any exceptions? Because obviously I, I don't like the idea of if, if you want to go to the grocery store, all of a sudden you have to provide your medical records. That just seems like so right. obviously abusive. But when you, when you think about like a biocontainment laboratory, like one they have at Colorado State University or the other virology lab at University of Colorado Boulder, I could understand if you're working with the virus in such a close quarters, I could understand them wanting their employee to be vaccinated. I, I get that. And, and, and maybe if, if you're working in an, in an old age home, I could understand the home wanting or at least highly suggesting. And if you don't want it, n not firing them, but maybe take them off of the rounds and have them do a different job. I could understand certain situations where the employer would want to be vaccinated. Is there any exception within your bill or is it just it, it just wide open? It is wide open. There are no exceptions. And that is a fair point well made. At the end of the day, no we make one exception. Right. We make exactly we make the case that our body is our sacred place in which it is the last stop for what we actually have control over and saying we will allow or not allow these things to be done to our body. And so the law is clear. Even the Marines, even the military, the Navy, the Air Force, they are allowed to say, no, I do not want this. Why? Because we don't have the data. Once again, we talked about OSHA just this week, opening up about that information with employers. This week as well, the president, uh, excuse me, the uh, head of the uh, uh, Pfizer, the president of Pfizer has went on record with Lester Holt in saying, you know, we just don't have the data, oops, to say whether we know or not that once you're vaccinated, you may not, you may still transmit that, that virus. We just don't know. There's exactly the point as to probably why I would say we've made no exceptions yet. There is just no data about what this will do to the body. And if the VIR is reporting, you know, 1% of all adverse effects are reported, is any indication there are questions to be had. Now, this bill is not about the efficacy. This bill is not about whether you should or shouldn't have that vaccine. This bill is about the fact that you must have the choice to either accept well or deny whether or not you'll ex take an emergency authorized use vaccine. Well, and, and I, I want to point this out. It, it's not it's not the fact that they want people to take the vaccine. It's that they're basically saying that you have to take the vaccine and they don't want to have a discussion about the adverse reactions. They don't want to have a discussion that's, that's, about that, it. They, they don't want to talk about the, well made. They, they don't want to talk about the people that are dying because those people yeah. don't matter. Those people are acceptable casualties in this vaccine conversation, or they'll say, oh, it's nothing to see here. I'm sorry that a couple thousand people died. Uh, we're just, everybody get poked, get poked. We need you to get poked. Let, let me ask you, that they've said that the people that are at risk are the people that don't take the vaccine, but the people that take the vaccine are not at risk, right? 
Okay. So why do they care if we decide not to take a vaccine? Well, and isn't that one of the fundamental questions revolving around this particular topic? And yeah. it's not the only question out there. The, the, the lengths they're going to to ensure everyone is vaccinated, I guess as just a common sense, reasoned individual, I would think there's great medical harm. In fact, I've had multiple medical individuals reach out to me, doctors, nurses, those in the medical field saying, it is an absolute, it's almost criminal to vaccinate against herd immunity when it's there, there can be natural immunity, right. natural immunity that we bring to the table and you're vaccinating above and beyond that. That's a serious question that we have to ask. And there's a hundred more that we could ask. Why are we vaccinating? Why is that push for vaccinating children who are 99% and higher uh, at uh, the benefit of surviving and living through That's having COVID. That's 99.88%. Exactly. 0.12 under the age, uh, that, that statistic is under the age of 15, right? And they're saying kids as, age, as old as one or two years old, they want to stick them with this vaccine. It doesn't even make sense. No, no. And like you said, you've, you've just poked out and, and talked about just a couple of questions that individuals are throwing out there. I, I have an email box flooded and it's starting to come from around the nation. All of the different kinds of questions that we should take into consideration from medical professionals who in the beginning, and this is the trend I'm seeing, in the beginning said, wow, you know, this is a pandemic. This is a possible thing that could help slow that, Who that could help us get back to normalcy, who are now saying, wait a minute, there are too many questions when the push is so large so steamroller style, if you will, so propaganda filled to ensure that those there are people who need to be vaccinated that in all reality, statistically, we know don't need to be vaccinated. Correct. Again, people who have their natural immunity, children. Why? We've got we've flown in the face of what we've always done in a great illness of any kind of pandemic. We, we in the past have always quarantined the vulnerable. Today, we've quarantined everyone, even those yeah. who are not vulnerable. And, and then we've jumped that line and gone straight towards, not only are we gonna quarantine and lock down people who are not vulnerable, but now today, 14 months later, over 400 days later, we are saying in many locations around the US, we are going to be just as diligent, just as locked down, just as tyrannical about what we're going to ask people to do in order to buy, sell, trade, travel, or be educated. Think about that. Five yeah. basic pieces of life we need to function, and those are going to be altered or are already being altered irre irreparably in how we live our lives. Our seniors are isolated. There are places, I can tell you right now, in the state of Colorado, where our seniors are not allowed to leave their room in a nursing home should they not choose to take that vaccine. We're passing bills that make it criminal to provide solitary confinement in our justice system, that it is barbaric and it is age old barbaric. It is why we look at that and say, is that cruel and unusual punishment? Yeah. And yet we're willing to do it for some of the most vulnerable in our population. And I don't mean vulnerable physically, I just mean vulnerable as a marginalized society. Our, elder, our elderly who are in nursing homes who are not sick, possibly at risk, but locked up, being served their meals in their rooms, 
never being allowed to leave. That's solitary confinement and that's unacceptable. So I understand the argument of, we, we, yeah, I, I agree with you when you say we've been quarantining healthy people. And I think the biggest lie that was ever told over the past year, year and a half, is that you can be healthy and by breathing, you could be killing someone. I mean, th that's the biggest lie ever told. The question I have is, why stop at just COVID-19 vaccines? Why not make this about all vaccines? Be because, I mean, in order to go to school in Colorado, there's some exceptions, but there's other vaccines you need to get. Right. So if, if this is an issue of, of personal freedom and that, that, that government or private entity shouldn't be allowed to force you to inject something into your body, um, taking away the the experimental, not fully, completely approved COVID-19 vaccine out of it, it seems like it's the same argument. The, the issue I have is that when we ask why would you want kids to get it or why would you want most people to get it, it's kind of the same argument when it comes to the other vaccines. I, I get it. We don't want. If, if you're at risk, quarantine, right? If you're at risk, stay away. But we yep. can't, there are tons of kids in schools who are immunocompromised and, and that's not going to change, right? So one of the reasons that school districts and states have these vaccine requirements is because it's not feasible to tell someone for 18 years, you just can never go to school. And they're hoping to create a situation where people aren't just going to be entering the classroom carrying diseases that could literally kill their classmate just just by being there. So I, I get what you're saying. The, the issue I have is like, I, I used to live in Colorado. I, I left, I saw the way it was heading and I left, I voted with my feet. When my son was born in 2018, there were 616 cases of whooping cough in Colorado. So I, I, I didn't want to take the vaccine. But when I saw that, the idea of me going to the mall and catching whooping cough and bringing it back to my son terrified me, right? It, it, it was terrifying. So I, I got the vaccine. I, I had to re-up on, on that. I, I got rid of the tetanus. I got the tetanus out of it because I have a bad reaction to tetanus vaccines. I, I, I look at this and I understand it, but why, why not go with all vaccines then? If the argument is that it's a rights issue, why not just go That's with all vaccines? That's a great question. And my understanding is that those kinds of bills have been passed. They've been brought forward, excuse me, not passed, but they've been brought forward through the legislature here in the state of Colorado over and over and over again. And they have always been killed um, and they never make it to the legislative process where it can be voted on. And if it is voted on, it it, it dies. It is, it is not passed. And so that has occurred over and over and over again in the past. I think the difference here is the fundamental idea about this bill in that Colorado is using businesses. Anybody who has authority over public accommodations has the long arm of the law. So it's not just schools, it's restaurants. Yeah. There's a restaurant right here in Denver that you will not get into unless you can prove your vaccination status. It's to me, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, they'll be World out of history business. Is they'll be out of exactly. business. People will get World tired of it. Yeah, those people yep. That, yep. That, that wanna act like that, that, that will actually go to that business. Yeah, they run out of money. Because those, are, well, they those do. are people that fear, fear life. They do, but 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 I'll raise I'll raise you on that and and see you another point, which is when I say it affects how we live our life. Remember how we buy, how we sell, how we trade. I just heard from a woman the other day. They would not let her go through the drive-through at the bank without her mask on. Think about that a second. Could even, not even with like the money with the 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 that, little suction cup system the vacuum system she was at, wow. i don't know if she was at the vacuum system or the window oh. <laughs> to me it doesn't matter she's in her own car 
And and at that point, they've now shut off her ability to go through that drive-through and get her own money. Now, I'm positive she'll probably shut that bank down or shut that account down at that bank. But again, how we buy, sell, trade, travel, and are educated. When yeah. I think about vaccines in schools, Max, that's a great point. And I say this, who's vulnerable in a school if you go in and they're not vaccinated? It's the child who's not vaccinated. They're not vulnerable. Everybody else has had their vaccine. So I look at that argument and say, well, technically you may have a point. You took that uh, decision and you informed yourself about what whooping cough was, whether or not you wanted to bring that home to your family, and you took care of that situation. When I think about the school system, who is the one that pays the ultimate price if they don't get vaccinated? The child themselves and their families who choose not to get vaccinated. Everyone else is protected. It goes back to, if you really believe it works, then why must I, in my natural immunity, have to go get it if you choose well, to have I, vaccine? I, I get that, but like, not everyone who doesn't get the vaccine, doesn't get another vaccine, does it by choice. I mean, if a kid is coming back after fighting leukemia, lots of times they will not get vaccines because they're immune, already immunocompromised. I mean, I, I would have a really hard time telling the kid who just finished his leukemia tr treatment, you can't go back to class because five people in the class don't want to get vaccinated. Like th that's where that's where I have a hard time making that argument because it, it's not necessarily always a, a voluntary thing. I mean, there's lots of immunocompromised kids for one reason or another can't get certain vaccines. I, I get the whole argument, but I'm, I'm not here. I don't I don't want to just say, well, those kids are going to die or those kids have to stay home and never have a childhood. There has to be a middle ground where we can protect them and protect people's rights without just expecting the immunocompromised to magically develop an immune system. True. Listen, we can't we can't build a society around the half of a half percent either. We can't. We have to build a society around a society. And if people are immune compromised, then they have to be the one to make the exceptions, not the rest of society. The rest of society should not be subjected to the 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 oppressed uh, the, the oppression that's necessary to protect someone so that that person can walk around and do everything everyone else does. That's not the way the world works. When you have cancer, right, and you go through cancer treatment, you, you, you're compromised. So you have to wear two masks. You have to wear gloves. You know, my grandmother died of it. So I'm, I'm telling you that what nobody walked around and said, oh, my gosh, everyone else has to put gloves on. Everyone else has to put masks on because my grandmother's going out in society. And that, that it just can't happen. If you're immune compromised, I'm sorry you got the short stick. I'm sorry. But the rest of society cannot just stop moving as a result. And by the way, there are plenty of immune compromised people, plenty out there, that frankly will tell you, I got a life to live. I'm going to live my life. And there are things out there. There are treatments out there that are, that are blockers that, that, that actually do work. I mean, they, they just gave it. I mean, I'll just use one of them that – all of the studies out there, and I, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to do this or not do this, but there are a ton of studies out there that talk about ivermectin, a ton of them, and yet we ignore it. We ignore it. Well, it, it, and that's another piece to the conversation, although this bill is not necessarily at all about the efficacy of what does or doesn't work yeah. to prevent COVID or whether the vaccines get keep you from giving it to somebody else, as Max said. 
But when we talk about the conversation in its entirety, absolutely, uh, you have a great point when you're saying there's an entire uh, prophylactic regimen of multi-layered things that you can do to prevent this. And yet the state of Colorado went so far as to send letters to our physicians in our state saying, if you use these things, if you use ivermectin, if you use azithromycin, if you require those um, kinds of things, we will be looking at your licenses. That's it's the other, again, the long arm of the law reaching in there and saying, we are going to say how you as a doctor are going to perform in your private practice, even though those are the kinds of regimens that have been working. In fact, what is the data on that? I, and not, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's about an 85% efficacy rate um, for reducing those symptoms and or preventing those symptoms um, should you get COVID. So uh, it is, it's another layer to that conversation. When it comes to our bill though, this isn't about how whether that vaccine is, is efficacious. It's not pro or against, it's saying that no we choice. as a society have crossed that line exactly into saying, right, have a choice. And, and we will not let the government take that insidious path of letting anybody who has authority over public accommodations or business having that long arm, being that long arm of the law for government to affect how we buy, sell, trade, travel, or be educated. That is a very critical moment at which we say, you've now allowed the layperson to violate the Fourth Amendment that we have to show our papers. Are we vaccinated or not? Uh, we've violated those laws that clearly say we don't, we get to have an informed consent choice to use an emergency authorized use gene therapy or not. And uh, we've clearly crossed that line here in Colorado. So what do you think, what do you, how do you feel about this bill passing? You know, if, if, let me think about how I want to, to say this. If, if an individual had a full understanding of their oath of office and what the constitution means when it comes to violating that fourth amendment, what it means for businesses to cause someone either wittingly or unwittingly to have to show whether or not they have been vaccinated or to prove that they're COVID negative. We've got that entire problem as well, causing people to have to show they're COVID negative. So at that point, how you're actually being compelled either by an employer or by an entity to say, are you negative? Have you been vaccinated? Now we're asking lay people to make that decision a medical decision that, and, and information to relay what should be between you and your doctor to someone who is not your physician, someone who is not, doesn't have that intimate medical relationship with you. And we're asking those lay people to make those calls to ask you for that information. Again, being put in that compelled speech place, being put in that moment when you have to divulge that information. For example, uh, I'm just using the banking example, even though it was about masking. What about the day that you have to prove it to get your own money? I mean, yeah. there's so many other insidious ways that this could play out. I want this bill to cause that to to never be an issue that any of us have to face. Well, and then there's um, a, but we're there. There's a constitutional ramifications of this as well. And we have activist judges that are basically ignoring the law and the, the Constitution well, is set up. 
to protect us as people when it stops protecting us. And that's why I keep telling you, or I keep, I keep asking the question. I know it's a hard question to answer because you always want to respect the people around you that are helping you make decisions. But at some point, it has to call them out to the constitutional value of making sure that you protect the rights of Americans. And if we don't, if we can't have the basic, we use a Fourth Amendment. Remember, we've already walked past the first censorship. They, they, any dissenting view, they cut it out. Second Amendment, they're trying to strip away our ability to take care of ourselves. We just keep walking down the amendments. At what point do we actually recognize it and say, all right, to hell with you, right? We're going to do what we can to protect our, our society, even so far as going to build your own society. Well, and when you ask what is the likelihood that that bill would pass, you talked about activist judges and that bent of how we look at how law is made. At the end of the day, these bills, there's a process in the state of Colorado and in every state, how does a bill become a law? That bill has to go before committee. In our Colorado state constitution, all bills will be heard through committee. It is whether or not those people in that committee, regardless of the political letter behind their name, will they will they uphold the oath they took to support the United States Constitution, to, to uphold the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the state of Colorado? That remains to be seen. We are a triple majority uh, of Democrats, Democratic government, governor, Democrat Senate, democratically controlled Senate, and a democratic, democratically controlled House. We're also that might give you an indication. Some, we're, we're also dealing with some of the biggest fraud in an election system. And I know you probably don't want to get into it, but I will tell you, um, you know, we have the, the, the information from Dr. Frank. We have, I don't know if you've been able to see this, and maybe I don't want you to comment on it because I don't think it's prudent for you to do that. But we also have the information in Antrim County uh, coming out of the cybersecurity expert, who, by the way, is a very, very left-leaning guy um, that cracked the code on the Dominion voting system specifically and uh, was able to manipulate votes on both the tabulation machine and the uh, EMS machine. So. We, we have some work to do in our, our state to make sure that we uh, that we truly have the voice of the people in this state heard because, uh, you know, having conversations and seeing some of the things that are happening, uh, it doesn't lead you down a path where you where it, it, I have a lot of confidence in what's happening in our own state. And it's sad. I've been here a long time. There is a yeah. lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. We're, we're almost out of time, but I have one question for you, Tanya. Obviously, your bill, um, your bill deals with exclusively COVID-19 vaccines. We, we always hear from, from business owners, they have the right to refuse service to anyone. Obviously, that's not true because they cannot discriminate on the basis of sex, on the basis of gender. They're all different protected classes that they're not allowed to discriminate against. So the idea that a business can just refuse entry in, in, for a public accommodation to anyone, it's not true. If we if if your bill passes, obviously the line is, is that the line, the covid vaccine or is the line further is the line they can't force you to wear masks is the line that they're not allowed to say no shoes, no shirt, no service. Where is the line of what a business, in your opinion, just philosophically, if, if the vaccine's too far, is, is there anything else that you could see wanting to have follow up legislation um, to prohibit businesses from setting barriers to entry? It's a great question, Max. When it comes to this bill, this is where it stops. It stops at the COVID vaccine. Now, hear me, hear me clearly. We own our own businesses. We have done so our entire lives. We, If there's anything that I absolutely love about the United States of America is the idea that anyone can go pursue 
their strength, their talent, and they can use a capitalistic free market process and reach their full potential, both in what they love to do, but with how much money they would like to make. What kind of life of abundance would they like to create for them, they and theirs? Um, so I would never want to do something that would inherently stop businesses from reaching their full potential. But when it comes to the linkage between a business operating and then the control that comes with a free market society in, in, in the kinds of places that I just discussed today, having access to your own money at the bank, being able to go to school and receive an education. These are fundamental things we need to be able to do to have our society function and function well. And yet government is using businesses as the long arm of the law to impede those processes. And I think ultimately all decisions have consequences. These kinds of decisions will have an economic impact. There will be a ripple effect if they choose to go down this road that allow businesses or anybody who has public authority over public accommodate, excuse me, has authority over public accommodations to stop people from doing those kinds of things to live their daily life. There will be repercussions. Should this bill fail, it will remain to be seen. There are other ways that people will go about fighting for their rights. It might be the judicial system next. It might not be legislative processes. It could be other things. We want to make yeah. it so that people can live their lives as freely as humanly possible without being told you have to inject yourself with something we have no data on, no history of medical efficacy or effectiveness, something that is still in an emergency authorized use place. And because of that, we want to ensure that again, we want businesses to function. We want them to function as freely as possible. But this isn't about businesses anymore. This is about buses, trains, planes, yeah. education, banking. I could go on and on and on. Healthcare. Yeah. At what point do like like the point was made earlier? At what point do we stop society for a small fraction of people who they have to evaluate what is that risk benefit for me to be able to go live my life? Yeah. Well, all great points. I want to thank you for for joining us, Tanya. Again, we're, we're talking to Tanya Van Bieber, represents the 48th district in Colorado, Weld County. Um, we go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. Anyone in Colorado, if you want this bill to pass, reach out to your legislators and go ahead and put up the screen, Josh. Reach out to your legislator, le legislators and tell them to pass HB 21, well, 21 is just the year. So House Bill 1191. Um, that is Tanya's bill. Thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. Well, and I thank Representative Kim Ransom, and I thank you for having us on. This is one of the most important things that we will probably see this year next to freedom of speech and, and information and Second Amendment bills. So thank you all so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. A good interview. We, we, we went a little late because she had some late votes. Lots of bad things she had to vote against, but a very good interview. If you live in Colorado, reach out to your legislators and encourage them to pass HB 1191. So I want to I do some plugging here, right, at the very end of this. Number one, I want to tell you that TIG, Modern Patriot, comes on at 3 o'clock today. Um, they'll be on a Conservative Daily. They'll be on Conservative Daily Live. They'll also be on DLive. Um, so we'll be fully broadcasting, uh, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a great, a great show at three o'clock. Um, or take will be on here. 
The second thing I want to do is I want to talk about Rob's. I want to talk about I want to talk about your organization real quick. Yeah. And um, Max or Josh, can you put up? Can you put put up his uh, website real quick? What's the website? Oh, wrong one. It's oneapertorian.com. I'm going to go ahead and put it up here real quick. Josh, I just dropped it with you. I I just spelled Praetorian wrong. We go ahead and I, I think I got it. Got it. It's it's the it's it's the uh, the lightning with a guy on the horse. Yep, that's yep. it. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to my screen, Josh. It's kind of not not made for podcasts. <laughs> it's kind of hard to read, uh, but you hit enter, and then it takes you to the website, First Amendment Praetorian. So, do, tell everyone a, what a Praetorian is, right? Because this is the. I mean, I I just went and quickly copied and pasted and put it down on the page but i want people to understand why why the organization why is it why is it named that what what does it stand for so in in the time of the caesars in rome you had the praetorian guard right the praetorian guard was that last line of defense for the caesar they protected the caesar they would lay down their lives kind of that that time secret service but their job is to protect the the caesar and we feel that the the quintessential thing that makes america america is the right to free speech It's our right to be able to get up and say what we believe or endorse what we uh, follow or believe in politically. There are people in the UK, New Zealand, and Australia that are getting sent to jail for Facebook posts that go against the government's dictates and what they're saying to do. People are going to jail for that. And that's one of the things that we as Americans have always prided ourselves on is the ability to get up and speak your mind and say what you believe. It's how our country was founded when those rebels got together who are, were sick of the tyranny from across the ocean and they voiced their opinion and said, we're not going to take it anymore. And that's, that's the thing that we believe needs protection. So when we saw people being intimidated and attacked in 2019 and 2020 for just standing up to speak their mind. And this is, you know, the events that we did. We protected whistleblowers who had evidence of voter fraud. We were protecting General Flynn and Sidney Powell and Patrick Byrne because they were up there in everybody's face yelling from the rooftops about what was going on. We felt that somebody needed to stand between the angry hordes that were trying to attack and intimidate them and these people who were willing to stand up. Stand up. We are the Praetorian Guard for that First Amendment, for anybody that has the courage to stand up and say what they believe in or truly speak truth to power which these days is the state that is pretty much against our against what the population truly wants and what the republic stands for so that's what we are doing we are military law enforcement and intelligence community veterans who are willing to put ourselves in between these people trying to harm or defame or destroy those of us with the courage to stand up and just be their line where we are their praetorian guard to ensure they can say what they have to say and, and and there are ways that people can actually support you. They can. Yeah, it is a volunteer organization. It's an all volunteer, 100 percent crowdfunded group. Uh, so we did a lot of events. We were in D.C. pretty much nonstop for the last two or three months of last year. Uh, this month, this year started off slowly, but we've got about six different events that are already uh, piling up. We've got that the four day weekend um, uh for God and Country Patriot Roundup in Dallas, Texas, Memorial Day weekend, and a bunch of different events for the Walkway Foundation and for different event organizers that are, that are coming up throughout this, the rest of this year. 
Uh, we were also talking with some people that, that are in a situation where they need some protection right now. Uh, and we're offering our service to the Maricopa audit to go send as many people as they need, whether they need intelligence surface, uh, services. We have people from the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the DHS, ICE, every single three-letter uh, agency. We have an extremely robust intelligence service to the point where our reports were going to the desk of President Trump uh, towards the end of his, um, his time in office or if they need uh, boots on the ground. We've got some big, broad-shouldered knuckle-draggers that are willing to go out there and stand out. I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, they're, I've seen them. Uh, yeah, there's some, some, uh, some interesting but some extremely patriotic people, and we all understand we're going to be attacked. Uh, I doxed myself because I know they'll try to dox us, and we know, we understand what will come as a result, especially with the Maricopa audit, when we know that as more is being revealed, they will put all of their resources they can to stop it. We understand that and we're not willing to let that happen. So whatever it takes, we're willing to put ourselves in the line of fire to make sure that these things can go on because it's what's needed. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. We need to shine some sunlight on the November 2020 election because it's gross. And so we're men who are willing to do that, men and women who are willing to do that. If you're from that background, military law enforcement or intelligence community background, you can begin our vetting process on our website. We're always looking for new members. Uh, we have a very thorough vetting process. It can take anywhere from a week to a month. Uh, we have a, a, a team of private investigators that will go through your background and just ensure you are who you say you are. You don't have any background of, of violence or criminality or anything like that that would disbar you and make you more of a, a threat you know, within our organization. So we, we, we're very careful about who we allow in. If you want to donate, again, we are all volunteers. We're a 100% crowdfunded group, and it's, it's those donations, whether it's a dollar or five dollars, that allow us to have our people fly across the country to these different events to protect Americans who want to stand up and say what they believe in or support when they see something to call it out or or try to wake other other Americans up to what's going on. It's those donations that help us get out there and do that and our intelligence teams to run and all this the software and things that we need to do it. Every single donation helps and we really appreciate it. You can do that at 1apertorian.com. We're on patreon.com slash 1ap as well. Um, we're out there everywhere. Our I mean, the great social media purge happened in December, they cut off our, our crowdfunding. We used to be with Classy and they completely cut it until Penn got us up and running again last month. So thank you yeah. very much again for that. Uh, but it's finally back up and we have a lot of events that, that are coming up so we could really use your support. Again, a dollar, five dollars, whatever you have the wherewithal to do, we really appreciate it and, and God bless every one of you. Yeah, so again, that's 1apraetorian.com. Joe put it in on Conservative Daily. I put it on everywhere else in the we comment have, sections if you want to check it out. We have handles on do so. every social media platform that has the links on there as well. Twitter, Gab, Facebook, all of them. Awesome. Well, that, that's going to be – we went a little long today, but that's okay. That's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you check out all the audio versions. Uh, subscribe to the audio version if you haven't already. There's a link in the description. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean. We go live Monday through Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, DLive, Twitch, and conservative-daily.com. We will be live tomorrow. Um, we're going to be talking about um, John Locke and his second treatise on government. So if anyone wants to have a conversation, talk about that, go online and read a little bit of the second treatise tonight. It should be a good discussion good tomorrow. Um, so make sure you, you check out all the links in the description. Not going to leave you on any longer. It's, everyone wants to get on with their stuff. It's Friday. Again, my name is Max McGuire. And this is Joe Oltman. And I am Robert Patrick Lewis. 
And remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.